politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Miniman to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house here to guide you on how you can fight back for liberty and inform you on the truth about the virus, about the response to it, about what is killing people, what we should have been doing. I know a lot of you have listened to me, you know, anew pretty much at the point when we started with the virus coverage, but those of you who are with me earlier on know that we cover so many other issues as well. And now is really where it all comes to the forefront. Today is showtime. This is showtime for state legislatures. Our revolution was catalyzed, people don't realize this, by state legislatures. They had tyranny. How did they organize to fight back? The state legislatures created committees of correspondence between each other that worked together that eventually created the Continental Congress. This is where we are today. Look, there is no easy path, and even the state legislatures, there's a lot of bad guys in them. Leadership is usually bad. But all we have are the red states and the good guys in the legislatures to light a fire under the good bills that they propose and take names. This is what I'm trying to build with ConAction.network. We have a lot of states that are now on the cusp of meeting, already meeting. That's the good news. The good news is they are meeting. Texas. Okay, they're already in session. Wyoming is going to have a session October 26th. It looks like Idaho is going to have soon. Um, we got Tennessee is, is going to meet very soon. Iowa might meet. There's a lot of important um, states. Most of them are probably going to have a special session or piggyback off the redistricting session that they're having to pass some sort of bill dealing with with the mandate. But here's the deal, folks. Here's the deal, friends. The question is, are we going to use this unique opportunity to uproot the entire cancer of the mandate, but then zoom away even from the mandate and reorient our entire position on COVID, what we should and shouldn't be doing, and then zoom out from there, our entire relationship with the federal government? and reorient the structure of our government. Make state legislatures great again. Make make red states red again. Are we going to do that? The problem we have right now, the reason why everything is upside down, the reason why even in the reddest states we have tyranny, is because the elected representatives of the people at the smallest level, which is a state legislature, they don't matter anymore. They ceded all their power. It's the unelected bureaucrats in the respective state departments of health and the federal government, obviously, and the courts that run the show. They legislate 24-7, 365 days a year. And yet these legislators are like, oh, we're part-time. Oh, we just want to serve for a couple of days. Oh, Daniel, we can't get into special session. We have the procedural problems. Oh, we're in session, but we can't bring up that because it's not germane to the rules package. All these excuses I'm hearing from talking to people. 
It's like Biden could declare he's going to send out a federal agent to rape one member of every conservative household. And they'll say, and we'll ask the legislature to get involved. I mean, really, we should just shoot them at the door. But because we're nice, we try to use a legitimate body of government to push back. And they'll say, well, Daniel, it's not the time, the procedures. Like human rights don't matter. They don't get the exigent circumstances we're in. Part-time limited legislatures were designed, were designed for a time when we followed the Constitution. When the legislature, as Madison said, predominated. The power of legislative authority of lawmaking flowed from there. So they didn't want a big government. They wanted a smaller government. So they limited the time they could be in session and some of the scope of what they can do depending on the state's constitution. But over time, we've had a coup when the state and federal executive departments legislate, adjudicate, and execute every day and every night with impunity, without any check and balance. So... They, they have become so huge, you need them to be in session procedurally. And then funding-wise, I'm going to surprise you here, and I know people don't like this. Oh, I'm conservative. But you got to use power. Again, you have to meet force with force. We shouldn't have had their force, but now that we have it, we need our own force to fight it. You can't fight something with nothing. We need bigger budgets for the legislatures. Because right now you have a scenario where even the good guys, I speak to them. I've gotten to know most of the good guys in most of the red states. And if you are in a legislator, reach out to me. I know we have some who listen to the show. But here's the deal. You have in some states one paid staffer for four legislators. They're going up against the entire state and federal bureaucracy. So they know something's wrong with the shots. They know something's wrong on the legal side, on the science side, on the policy side with all this stuff. But they just don't feel comfortable articulating because they just don't know. And they are part-time. They have other jobs. We have to change that if we're going to reclaim our freedom, even in a few states. It's got to flow from the legislators. It will not flow from anywhere else. That's the reality. So this is showtime for the legislators. I want to talk today about some of the things going on in each state, some of what we can do, some of the updates, some of the important things going on. But I I just want to illustrate this with a point. You know, in Tennessee, for example, they need two-thirds of the members to agree to get back in session. Now, Republicans certainly have more than two-thirds majorities in both houses, But the rhinos don't want to do it. Do you know that they have held a session, a special session, to give Ford grant money, grant funding, to move to West Tennessee? Okay? So that they can do, but they don't have the time to get into session. The the Senate rhinos are still, the House voted to get into session, but the Senate, which is worse in most states, not all, but most states, the Senate's worse than the House, more rhinos, bought out by the chamber, bought out by the healthcare cartel, they don't want to get into session. If you don't want to be a legislator, then resign. To save human rights, 
the violation of the Nuremberg trial. They are killing people with remdesivir. They are killing people with the clot shots. They are killing people by denying treatment. They have in Tennessee, in Tennessee, the state medical board is punishing anyone who, any doctor who speaks out against this. And the legislature won't, won't convene. They won't convene. So you need to get on that. We need some leaders. If you are in Tennessee and you're willing to be among a few people to coordinate the names, we have tons of names signed up. We need leaders to coordinate it, get the teams in place. I'm going to try to have a call maybe next Thursday with state team leaders and just map out a strategy. But this is where we're at. This is what why those of you, I know a lot of Glenn Beck listeners, uh, thank you to Glenn for referring uh, his listeners to my show uh, this is not just about information even. Certainly, there's a lot of information. Certainly not just about entertainment. And most certainly not about my own ego. It's about actually doing something. This is a movement. We need to fight back. We need to get on the playing field. Like I said yesterday, you could have a 90-10 conservative county. It will be the 10 running all the political organs because we don't even get on the playing field. They seek to dominate. We seek to be passive. And, and, and it's nice. We understand why. We're into family. We're into our jobs. We don't like to control other people. We want to be left alone. But you no longer have that choice. That ship has sailed. You can't be conservative anymore in terms of strategic thinking, if not ideology. Oh, I just want to be passive and conserve. That's when you are the status quo, and they're trying to change that. But if they are the status quo and you need to change that, you have to be proactive. You have to use power. You have to use power. And I'm going to get in. That's going to be the theme today when I talk about the Iowa bill. And once and for all, dispel of this notion that, oh, the private sector can do what they want. This is all private. I don't like telling them they can't mandate the clot shots. We're going to address that coming up. But first, today's sponsor... Con- constitutioncoach.com our friends at patriot academy are putting on several more defensive handgun uh, and constitution training classes at front site nevada the best instructors you'll ever find in the country it's both for for people that never picked up a handgun and for people that have a lot of experience you will come out learning how to shoot quickly and effectively and efficiently out of the holster um how to win a gunfight. It's amazing how to clear malfunctions. And you get to learn about the Constitution at night. And you get to be together with members of this audience and other patriots around the country from our friend uh, Rick Green at Patriot Academy. Uh, I will be at the October 31st class. There's also a class in November. I won't be able to attend. Uh, Go to constitutioncoach.com for details. It's just $150 for the training. Now, look, I'm not going to lie to you that ammo is very expensive. You'll have to pay for that or buy it from front site. Um, car rentals are more expensive now because of the stupidity of our supply chains um, and you know even hotels and whatever, but make a vacation out of it. So you kind of kill two birds with one stone, visit Death Valley, which is uh, not quite as hot uh, in early November as it was over the summer. Um, There's other things to see around there. Again, I hope to see you guys there, constitutioncoach.com, for more info. So before I get to this whole private sector argument, I just want to alert you to something I wrote about today. 
there are several obstacles preventing red states from being red and allowing all these rhinos to populate these deep red state legislatures and governorships. Number one is obviously they're overpowered even more so in the smaller states by these special interests. The Chamber of Commerce, places like Walmart and Tyson's in Arkansas, um, big business, big health care, they control, they come in and say, this is what we want, and they run for the hills. That's number one. Number two, a lack of articulate arguments. You know, they all come in there with their science and the big health care things. We know health care, and you're going to kill people. And they, they, they're just, they don't know our arguments. They don't know how to make them. And that, that's, that's another thing our teams are going to work on using all this information with their legislatures. Some legislatures are bad. Some are good and they want to do the right thing. They just don't feel comfortable pushing back because they don't have the info. Um, so that's another thing. And, and Republicans aren't helping by being like, oh my God, the shots are amazing. I got them myself. I think everyone should get them. They are the most effective tool, but please don't mandate it. Dude, you lost the argument. I understand intellectually and legally, there's plenty of things that could be a good idea, but you have no right to mandate on another person. That is true. But, it, be, but in this case, both things are true, both medically uh, and, and on the policy side and on the legal side. So make both arguments. You, you got to hold hearings on this stuff. It's just, it, this is not okay. This is not okay anymore. Four or five months ago, it kind of looks like it looked like the shots were working. They covered up all the, you know, deaths and adverse events. But now all that has come out. There's no excuse. So I don't want to hear this business because what happens is that argument is going to breed a very half-baked bill, and that's only going to get watered down from there, and we'll be left with nothing. They're going to all pass something. But is it going to be the right bill? I want to get back to that. Another problem, as we said, is the structural problems, where the executive branches are so strong, the legislative branch is weak, they don't have researchers, they don't have funding, they don't have the time, they're not in session enough. All that needs to be rectified. There's another problem as well, and that is federal funding. The federal government has the states on a leash because they have the printing press. And they dangle in front of them the money. And no one wants to push back. Why don't they want to pass these nullification interposition bills? They're scared of losing funding. Now, there is one day I want to talk to you about. And, you know, we have to do, we have to walk before we run. But eventually, if we get to where we need to do, what we're going to eventually have to do is have the state treasury departments put a cease and desist on all remissions to the federal government and have the states collect the taxes first and that's that's something i want to talk about that's you know how we do that that really is going to shift the balance of power um you know so we'll we'll talk about that at some point um if you ever want to google daniel harwitz neutral tax um there was a guy, and I'm forgetting his name. His name was Ryan. He he came up with this idea, and I did a whole show, and I did an article on it as well, a neutral tax. 
had a shift that the states take the tax first. It's really, really, if you had to have one thing to reshift the balance of power, if you gave me one policy, I think that would do it. Um, but, you know, we're never going to implement anything good at a federal level. So we just have to, you know, force feed it at a state level. But anyway, this is my idea. So I want to apprise you of something that went down in New Hampshire that I need all of you to send to your respective state legislators in red states and warn them about in their state. And that is this. The federal government sent a grant uh, a grant uh, contract to New Hampshire with two programs worth $27 million. Now, those programs were basically to pimp the vaccine. Now, mind you, they shouldn't be doing it anyway. They shouldn't be promoting that vaccine even without any strings attached. But on page 17 of this thing, it had, in plain language, the following requirement. A recipient of grant of a grant or cooperative agreement awarded by, D, by HHS with funds made available under yada, 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 all these different bills that Congress passed, the Coronavirus Preparedness and Response Supplemental Appropriation Act agrees as applicable to award to number one, comply with existing and or future directives and guidance from the secretary regarding control of the spread of COVID. Two, in consultation and coordination with HHS, provide commensurate with the condition of the individual COVID-19 patient care regardless of the individual's home jurisdiction and or appropriate public health measures, social distancing, home isolation, and three, assist the United States government in the implementation and enforcement of federal orders related to quarantine and isolation. In other words, every illogical, illegal, immoral, and inhumane order of the government will be foisted upon the states who accept this funding. Okay? There was also a concern that the funding would further strengthen the immunization registry system. Yes, all 50 states now, New Hampshire was the longest holdout, but the jerk-off Governor Sununu implemented it. They have a registry that monitors everyone's vaccination status. The, I mean, they have privacy laws now, and you can't track illegal aliens. You can't track criminals. It's unbelievable the stuff they have on the criminal side. But you are now tracked. Okay? When it comes to a relative who needs to know the healthcare status of a relative to help with care, HIPAA, HIPAA, they have so many times like they get roped up into that. No problem. No problem. No problem here. So thankfully, New Hampshire has an interesting structure of government dating back to the founding where the executive authority is not sovereign in the governor. It's divided the governor is relatively weak. You have a legislature, you have a governor, but then in in the executive branch of government, you have something called the executive council. It's almost like a legislative body within the executive that, you know, so the governor gets to sign a bill or veto a bill unilaterally like any other governor. But if there is, for example, the federal government offers a grant program, the legislative, the executive council, in addition to the legislature, has to approve of it. They voted it down four to one, despite the governor yelling at them and, you know, speaking at the meeting. That was big news. Um, kudos to uh, Melissa Blasick. She's the head of Rebuild New Hampshire, terrific organization. She's also 
a state legislator. She is a listener to this show, a terrific friend of mine. Um, man, if we had people like her in every state legislature, boy, would we be better off. And and um, it's a really terrific story. She was the head of the you know anti COVID fascism group in New Hampshire, and she she actually ran for office and. And she has no plans on running again. This was her whole job to deal with COVID fascism. She fulfilled her promise. And um, that's what we need to do in other states. You need to send this article of mine to every one of your legislators and make sure to say, wait a minute, has your state signed off on or is there any grant program in the pipeline that is going to require this? Because I'm telling you folks, now look, even if they did, I would say they should defy the mandates anyway because they're unconstitutional and inhumane and violate the Nuremberg Code. But, you know, for all these people that are going the judicial route, they'll bring it up in court and say, look, now, is it enforceable? I don't know. The courts will, you know, always rule the wrong way. But you definitely don't want them signing on to that. But again, it speaks to, it's not just the these particular grant programs. It speaks to a broader principle that part of the reason why red states can't, aren't having this national divorce is because they're dependent on the funding. And we have to find a way to break that mother's milk, to break that dependency. we got to wean them off of it. So that is the important lesson today. But then I want to touch on, for the remainder of the time, something else. So we're looking at all these legislators. I need you to join a team in Tennessee, Iowa, Texas, Wyoming, very important states, West Virginia, very important. They're they're in session now. But I was looking last night. I wanted to find the gold standard. Which state has representatives that introduced the best bill, the best possible bill? Okay, the best one, bar none. And that's the one we need to rally behind and shop around to all your legislators with the legislative language already prepared. I was about to jump on my buddy Chuck Gray's bill. I forgot the bill number, but if you Google Chuck Gray um, vaccine mandate bill, Wyoming legislature, you'll find an article on it. You'll find the number and you can look it up. Um, Chuck Gray's in the House. He's a terrific guy. He ran against uh, Cheney. He was actually the first one to run against her. But he had to pull out because Trump came in and endorsed the rhino. Typical. He's like the best guy in the Wyoming legislature. But you know what? Hopefully he'll run for governor, um, which is more important. And uh, and if you are in Wyoming, call Chuck Gray and tell him you better run for governor. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll beat him up. So anyway... um. Chuck has a bill that is like a, it's like a half a page. So just because of the brevity, I liked it. It's a categorical ban, offers um, you know uh, judicial cause of action against um, any employer who defies it, and the state could levy a five hundred thousand dollar fine on any employer. So I, I like that, and it probably includes a lot of things Im- implied, but it's not spelled out. So there's another bill that is longer and spells out a number of stuff, okay? And I want to talk to you about this bill. It is Iowa SF-193. SF means Senate file. It's a Senate Bill 193. In my view, unless I find something better, 
And if I do, I'll let you know. But as of now, I believe this is the best bill. It's introduced by Guth, Johnson, Schultz, Whiting, and Carlin in the Senate there. And it has the most categorical ban, the most teeth in it, and addresses the broadest array of of issues. Okay? Now, I'm going to go through the bill and also make the moral, legal, and intellectual case against all these phony pseudo-conservatives and rhinos and Republicans that are in the legislature and they're saying, I don't know, Daniel. I don't like um, uh, telling businesses they can't require mandates. It's the private sector. Let the free market work. Really. Now, as you well know, there's nothing private or free market about any of this. The, if the free market were allowed to run, the vaccines could have never been produced. They would have never gotten off the ground. You would have had liability against them. They would have been sued and stopped in a minute after the first 10 deaths. They would have never had the ability to succeed because scientifically they couldn't succeed. Okay? The government subsidized, monopolized, collaborated, coerced, censored, and reshaped society with them. They marketed billions of dollars of marketing funding, of taxpayer funding in the omnibus bill to market it. They bought up all the state ad council dollars. They directly collaborated with every big business and healthcare association in America to mandate it. And officially, any business over 100 has a gun against their head that they have to do it. Right? So there's not the free market... If you didn't have government, no business would have been, man, nobody could come here unless they get a shot and wear a diaper on their face. (laughs) The free market would have never done that. Government harnessed every subsidy, taxation, regulation, litigation tool, monopolistic tool. You know, we have antitrust laws against monopolies in this country for 130 years. There's no greater antitrust violation than not only businesses collaborating together, but the government collaborating together with them, the federal government. This is all federal. So all we have left are the red state legislators to interpose between the federal Nazi, Nazi tyranny, and that's what it is. Human experimentation. Violation of the Nuremberg Code, every one of the 15 precepts. That's what we're left with. And we need them to interpose between our liberties and the federal tyranny. If you leave the so-called private untouched, that is, it's not the free market saying that they're going to do it. The federal government's going to get to them. And and again, over 100, they're officially mandating it. So if you just have a bill and say, in our state, it's optional. You don't have to do it. But you can do it. Well, gee, That's not free market. The federal government has a gun to their head. If you don't come in with equal and opposing force to ban it and criminalize it and have a greater fine than the federal government will, but then offer also at the same time to protect them against the feds, if you don't do that, you don't get the free market. You get the ultimate federal fascism and totalitarianism. So the next time you have some schmuck 
phony pseudo-intellectual conservative in your legislator saying, I don't like this, but it's a free market. Tell him to shut the hell up. So I just had to get that off my chest. The only effective, prudent, fair, and free market position is to use equal and opposing force to restore the balance of the free market. And that's where it's showtime for state legislatures. So that's the first principle. Specifically related to this, because of what they've done, you have to prohibit and ban it just to level the playing field and get back to where it was February 2020. Okay? That is the story. That is the story here. Because a lot of them are starting out, what they're going to do is only, you don't have to do it, but you can do it. They'll allow for some sort of religious exemptions, but then they'll, you know, but then it will get watered down and limited. They're going to exempt healthcare settings, which is the worst one. So let's go through the provisions of the bill and, and, and uh, talk about, about this one by one. Okay, so the top line of the bill is very clear. Okay, categorical ban on all business mandates, anyone mandating anyone, take the shot. Prohibits an employer from failing or refusing to hire, discharge, penalize, or otherwise discriminate against an employee with respect to compensation or the terms, conditions, or privileges of employment based on the employee's vaccination history or the refusal of the employee to receive a vaccine or or provide proof of immunity. It also provides a cause of action in court to anyone discriminated against along with a prescribed remedy of back pay plus 10% from the employer. And again, so it's categorical. This is no exceptions. Perfect. And I, I just want to point out that, you know, everyone's like, I don't like telling a private business what they can do. Dude, the slate is not clean. All we do is tell them what to do. Okay? I mean, we apply discriminate. This is what we do for every other form of discrimination. You get rid of every form of race and sex-based and this-based discrimination and the EEOC at the federal level, and then we could shake hands and talk about the free market. We don't have it. See, this is part of the problem. Part of why our people, this is a very deep point, part of why our people are boxed out from starting our, our own alternatives. Like, a lot of these guys will be like, well, if you don't like the mandates, then you make your own thing, the free market. We can't because of, because of mandates. But what they do is they turn on and off the faucet against us. What's worse than full-blown socialism is half-crony socialism, which is full fascism and totalitarianism, where they potentially could regulate you, and they do, but then then once they get their guys to have a monopoly on big business based on economies of scale to box you out because you can't comply and function with all of those mandates— then now they control you, and now you are under their monopoly. Then suddenly you won't benefit from all those anti-discrimination protections. That's what they're doing, and that's completely immoral and unfair, and I'm not going to fall into that trap. So I don't want to hear that free market argument. You abolish all ADA, all OSHA, all Title Seven, then we'll talk. I mean, I don't want to hear, oh, businesses, Daniel, you're telling businesses— 
All we're saying is mind your own business. We're not asking them. We have all these affirmative requirements. Cumbersome, Dodd-Frank, Sarbanes-Oxley, thousands of dollars of compliance, paperwork. Just don't harass them about the vaccine. We're not asking you to do anything. It's don't do. Oh, but I have the right. I'm scared of the, of, of the COVID. It literally doesn't affect you, so get your shot. You could get your shot. The other, They are spreading it actually more. If anything, if you wanted to follow the science, you'd mandate you're not allowed to get the shot. They're spreading it more, especially at this juncture and in, in, in the coming months with the leakiness. That's the truth of it. So there is no rationale for that. You know, my dad, um, so he, he often worked with a lot of people in India, subcontracting different things in, in engineering. And there was one time they, they, had a, they had a worker that was just horrible, horrible, caused so many problems. So he, he, got, he tried to fire him. And man, that guy came back with discrimination because he happened to be Indian, um, of Indian descent. And it, everyone at work was laughing because, you know, my father often got accused of being partial to the Indians because he he had that, he established that relationship. He would often go to India and, you know, sometimes they'd come here. He'd take them out to, you know, see the Inner Harbor at Baltimore here. And, you know, he was, he was always buddies with them. So that was the funny thing. You know, he always got accused of kind of siding with them. And then, but now, you know, this guy goes and attacks him. And the cumbersome things they had to do to get rid of the guy. And this, they had to fly down this compliance HR guy from Idaho to meet with my father. And then the guy from Idaho gets in the room and starts, like, talking to my father. And then, ironically, here they're there to talk about, like, discrimination for not liking someone because of his background. And the guy from Idaho is, like, complaining about Mormons. And he doesn't like Mormons are messing up Idaho. And it was just, I mean, it's the craziest thing. HR compliance is insane. If someone is non-white, you can't like you you can't fire them no matter how bad of a job they do or whatever. And you're suddenly telling me you could just at the behest of the federal government something that is killing people, causing blood clots, you could force the guy to put that in his body? Are you kidding me? Oh, Daniel, we always abide by free market principles. Give me a freaking break. Now, next, rather than providing an exception to the above-mentioned rule for hospitals and healthcare, which even the Montana bill does, that's the only state that so far banned the mandates, this bill specifically bans any discrimination against healthcare workers, both on the worker side and on the treatment side. So there's a lot of problems with patients being discriminated against for care, for not getting the shot. That's in the bill as well. It spells out every form of medical professional, including residents and medical students. We're hearing from them as well. Very well written, very comprehensive. Importantly, this bill bars any healthcare provider licensing authority, like a state medical board, hospital board, from denying or revoking a license to any applicant on account of them not getting the clot shot. Now, I wish they would throw in, you know, iver prescribing ivermectin, speaking out against the vaccine, um, and not wearing a mask. But those are, you know, those are other issues. They do need to be addressed. And I think we need to have multiple things. But the mandate's the first thing, and, and this is the best bill. Now, I want to, again, 
discuss a point here. I'm giving you a full guide today. I have tons of news items I want to share with you. I'm probably not going to have time till next week. So just watch my Twitter account at RM Conservative. But this is very important. I want to give you the full landscape of what's going on in the legislatures, the arguments, the games they'll play, and what we need to be pushing instead. So all of them, they're going to have all the hospital associations. I know they're doing this in Wyoming. It doesn't matter how red the state is. The hospitals are as horrible as they are in New York and California. And they're going to come in and say, we're medical professionals. We know what we're talking about. And you guys are going to kill people. And we have patients that are sick. And you're going to yada, yada. Here's the deal. And, and so that's why a lot of them are, are, even if they're banning mandates, they're making an exception for health care. The reality is healthcare is the most indefensible, worst setting to have this. And every bill must ban it in healthcare settings for several reasons. Number one, it's the most impactful. I mean, it's, it's devastating because you're going to lose all those workers. And that's where it's, it's more of a problem to lose those workers and have a shortage than anywhere else. Number two, and this is important, you see... When it comes to these hospitals, when it comes to all these hospitals, almost anyone who has been in the hospital the last year or two, they've gotten COVID. So more than any other profession, they have natural immunity, likely more than any other profession, right? So what that means is it's just superfluous, even if you believe in it in general, it's the most indefensible because you're literally hiring, you're firing all these talented and often people with the most experience treating COVID and they got COVID and there's no need for the vaccine, even if it worked and it were safe and you're firing them. It makes no sense more than any other profession. And then number three is this. Not only, not only is it not true that the vaccine doesn't offer protection? It actually is more dangerous, more dangerous than anybody else. They are more of a danger to patients than the unvaccinated, and particularly a rushed clamor to meet a deadline of having a mass number in one hospital vaccinated at once. And let me explain what I mean. To begin with, even if you have a safe and effective vaccine, it's it's not really defensible to mandate it um, because how is the other guy affecting you? You have your safe and effective shot. He's stupid for not getting his. So fine. I mean, and the only one he could potentially spread it to is another stupid guy. So what do you care? And that should have always held true even when and if the vaccine worked. But... As a baseline, their argument would have been healthcare settings are different because you could have cancer patients that couldn't have gotten the shot, and you who didn't get it are at risk of transmitting it to that person. But here's the problem. That was all predicated on it being a safe and effective shot. Nobody disagrees at this point. At best, for a few months, for some people, it offers prophylactic uh, defraying of some of the symptoms for that person. But it is incontrovertibly clear that they transmit it at least as much, if not more, and have the same viral load, if not more, than those who are unvaccinated. So right off the bat, there is no benefit to it for those people. But it's worse than that. 
We now have evidence from all real lived experiences since January that every place where people do a mass vaccination, they all get COVID within the first 14 days. So from from the time of the first shot to 14 days of the second shot, we all agree, everyone agrees, you are the most vulnerable because it actually suppresses your immune system before boosting with the antibodies. So you are the most vulnerable to getting COVID and therefore transmitting it at that time. So imagine if you have this rush deadline in hospitals where you have a massive percentage that are getting it, getting the shot at once. They're going to get COVID, especially the ones that didn't get the shot already. And if they, the virus already, if they had the virus already, then there's no reason to get it. You see what I'm saying? I have on my street, the street where I live, right now, three people who got the third shot and right away got COVID. On my street. So this is happening everywhere. Those are the biggest time bombs, which is why, just to deviate for a moment from from what we're talking about, but it's important, when they count COVID cases hospitalizations and deaths based on vaccination status they count from the time of the first shot to 14 days within the second as unvaccinated even though it's the vaccine causing that to have the largest share of cases you're the most vulnerable at that point cms billing data shows there are 48,000 people 65 and above so if below 65, that would be a much greater number. We don't have that number. 48,000 who died within 14 days of the shot. That, by definition, is unvaccinated. It's like it's not counted against the vaccine. It's unbelievable. So you're going to slam all of these patients with the spike protein. See, this is where it's no longer enough for these people. Oh my gosh, the vaccine is awesome. It's amazing. It's the best thing around, but please don't force it on people. Because what that does is then then the hospitals are going to come back to you. Okay, but this is a critical care setting and, and, and you can't have the exemption there. And you admit this is the very important, right? This is how the bills are going to get watered down. We need the Iowa bill and we need... It's, it's time they stop saying this is safe and effective. It is not. It doesn't work. I mean... Again, it gets murkier when you talk about death, even though by now its protection against that has worn off. But what is abundantly clear in CDC's own position, hence why you have to wear a mask, is it doesn't stop transmission at all. So related to legalities of mandating on another person, there is no argument to be made even in a healthcare setting and particularly in a healthcare setting. So that's with that. Then there's another beautiful provision in this bill that we talked about before, and I'm glad they included it. It bars all insurance companies from discriminating against those who don't get the shot in terms of coverage. So they can't reject, deny, limit, cancel, refuse, renew, to renew, increase the premiums for, limit the amount, extent, or kind of coverage available to, or otherwise adversely affect eligibility or coverage for the group health policy contract or plan for health insurance. And again, this is where I want to get back to the free market, private sector argument. Well, Daniel, you know, you don't like mandating, you know, what you could cover with insurance. Insurance has the right to look at their actual actuarial tables and say, you're, we feel, feel you're more at risk for something and to charge you more, right? Daniel, don't, don't you believe in that? 
Dude, that ship has sailed. Obamacare passed. They mandate they get they pay for sex change operations. They mandate they get paid for un, um, insolvable, actually insolvable things. Well, how are they solving then? Because the government kicks them back the money and created a monopoly. Not a single health insurer has broken into the market since Obamacare, and they never will. We're stuck with the five or six we have forever. This is the important thing. The argument we are making is not just what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If you're going to mandate, uh, you know, insurance companies have to cover everything, you can't make an exemption for COVID shots, which I think is a legitimate argument. But it's an even stronger argument than that. You might say, well, Daniel, you don't like it, go elsewhere. We can't because they mandate scope of coverage. Because of the 99% of times they mandate scope of coverage, you can't break into that monopoly now. So we're stuck in the system they created through mandates. We're now now not going to allow government and insurers to work together to kill and box out people that don't get the shot. That is not free market. That's fascism. You want to repeal Obamacare? Then I'll allow you to deny coverage to to, to anyone um, who who doesn't uh, get the shot. Until then, shut up. It's just if you hear this garbage, this this utter rank intellectual sophistry from any of your uh, legislators, this is the message you need to convey. Let's move on. Next, the, the bill bars any owner or manager of a public accommodation from discriminating in services against someone who has not taken the shot. So in other words, landowners, you can't deny rent, you can't deny service. Again, we have this. You, you can't deny service to a gay wedding. You can't do anything. Don't tell me you could do what you want. Okay? And again, COVID itself was used as an excuse to mandate against evictions. So you can't evict someone for causing fights and problems and disruptions and damage and, and refusing to pay their rent, right? That was the eviction moratorium from CDC. Now suddenly you could evict someone for not injecting hemlock into their body? Are you kidding me? Again, you want to get rid of all the discrimination on, on rental and services. You want to tell me that I could say I don't want a guy with HIV in my um in my rental. You want to tell me I could say I'm not servicing a homosexual agenda. Then we could shake hands on it. Then come back to me. Until then, shut the hell up. Okay? When businesses can deny services or employment to those with HIV or with certain sexual behaviors or thwart Obamacare, Sarbanes-Oxley, Dodd-Frank, OSHA, and ADA, then come back to me and say that private sector can do whatever they want. But until then, when it comes to the most illogical, immoral, inhumane thing on someone's own personal body, and it's prompted and boosted and created by government anyway, don't give me this private sector uh, you know, speech. Couple more provisions in the bill: a prohibition on including someone's immunization status on their driver's license. I don't think it's happened yet, but it's a looming threat. This preempts it. It expands the existing exemption process for other vaccines in schools. So schools do have certain requirements for other vaccines. It expands the exemption pool, and and I think we need that for now because I think there are some questions now. This does raise questions: what other vaccines are problematic? And and again, I think look. If you believe the vaccine is safe and effective, your kid is protected. What do you care about the other kid? 
And finally, finally, this is very important. We talked about the registries that they monitor you. This bill prescribes that anyone administering the vaccine, so a pharmacist, a doctor, whatever, must obtain written consent from the patient prior to reporting the administration of the vaccine or immunization to the statewide immunization registry. So in other words, let's say someone wanted to get the shot and they come in, but they don't want to be recorded. They don't want the government to be surveilling them. They have the right to say so. And in fact, they have to opt into the registry with written consent. SF-193 from Iowa. That's the bill. Look it up. This is the gold standard that we need to push everywhere. I had to find one bill because there's a lot of different options. We need to do this. Look, at present, all private businesses over 100 employees are on the hook for a looming federal mandate to require a shot that the government has essentially created and manipulated with taxpayer funding that the free market never would have sustained. Both government and the pharmaceutical companies are exempt from liability. That's not free market. That is fascism. So for any state to merely pass a neutral law, you know, yeah, you you don't have to abide by it, but you can issue a mandate without providing equal and opposing force to prohibit the federal mandate and criminalize it is not an exercise in free market ethos, but in sub, sub, submissiveness and subservience to totalitarianism. How come none of these business and health organizations cried bloody murder about the rights of the private sector and free market when governors placed the ultimate regulation, shutting them down for months on end or crippling and cumbersome capacity mandates? In this case, again, we're not regulating affirmative, expensive compliance measures, just simply applying existing discrimination law to where it's needed the most violation of the Nuremberg Code. The private sector or free market did not conjure up the riskiest and leakiest shots in history or mask wearing. It was all induced by the federal government through fear, intimidation, misinformation, threats, censorship, subsidies, and monopolies. In the case of big business and healthcare, there has been downright collaboration with the federal government at every stage. The ultimate violation of the ultimate antitrust principles. The state legislatures have an obligation to interpose between the tyranny and the American people. This is our only hope. Time is the key. We want a longer session. They want a shorter session. We want it to stew. We want to build support. They want to just get rid of it with something fake. This is why in Wyoming, all the rhinos are threatening that they have to adopt a rules package. Otherwise, they're walking on the session because they, they don't want it to run to other issues. And we want it to run onto other because we have a lot of issues we need to address. I have 12 items. You know, the, the, the war on treatment, the remdesivir issue. We're going to talk about that more next week. So again, you could sign up at conaction.network. Um, look, if, you, if you're in a state where Democrats control the legislature, I don't know what to tell you anyway. They're not, they're not going to have a session. But if you're in one of these other states, you could sign up to be a member, sign up to be a team leader, and we're going to have you covered. I want to be able to look my kids in the eye and tell them that I did everything I possibly could have done. I, I left nothing on the table. And I, I know you feel the same way. 
and I'm just providing for you an opportunity. I don't have the time, money, staff, and acumen to help guide the organization and structure of these state teams. It's going to have to be a few people. I'm going to give you the names who signed up, and then you guys, the three of you, will work together to <clears throat> vet to um. Now you don't need to vet these people, but um, bring them together on a a Zoom call, a Skype call, have people in person to to the extent you can get them there. Um, talk about organizational structure, talk about agenda, talk about a means of permanent communication, a telegram channel, a chat, a email, whatever, however you communicate. You need someone to write, a good writer to write up your agenda items and communicate with people, um, send out letters to the um, members of, of the legislature. You need people who are smart about the legislature to keep track of the schedule and the bills and to push and lobby and you know meet with them. Um, you need communication people to do social media and do radio and things like that. Again, I can't I can't babysit that for every state. All I could do is take my audience, take the few thousand people who signed up, divide them by state, give them over to the people offering to be leaders, and offer my what I'm doing right now, which is writing articles that you could pass around on the best bills, the best arguments, the best policy ideas. And you could push that and should be pushing that. Look, this was not a newsy show. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to switch back and forth just based on what's needed. But I think a lot of you, I hope, appreciated this. This is what sets this apart from any other show, which is why I need you to send this to all your friends and relatives, all your coworkers, all your neighbors. Pass this around to at least 50 people. Give us a five-star rating so we can get this around to more people on iTunes. Till tomorrow, well, actually, till Monday, have a terrific weekend. God bless you all. May God bless our efforts and keep us safe and free once again. <laughs>